Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast with your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. Yes, hello and welcome to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Today we are doing our uh, customary end of season extravaganza. It's the SNL Hall of Fame roundtable for season four. This is the show in which we invite SNL Hall of Fame voters to share their ballots and their thought processes behind their choices. So this is always an interesting exercise to get into the psyche of some of our voters. Previous roundtables, panelists have cut deals with one another for votes, changed each other's minds. We've had willing and dealing. All kinds of shenanigans have happened uh, in these roundtables. I always love doing these. Maybe that'll happen today with our fantastic panel of heavy hitters in the SNL community. I'm honored to have these gentlemen with me. So let's start the introductions. And I actually want to do a little bit of an icebreaker as well. So when I introduce you guys, I'm going to ask the question, which current cast member, not including Keenan Thompson, because I think he's, I think we could probably all agree he's the obvious one to be in the SNL Hall of Fame. So which current cast member, not including Keenan, could you see in the SNL Hall of Fame someday? So let's get it going from the Not Ready for Primetime podcast. He's the co-host of that podcast with Gary Seath. He was my guest for Michael O'Donohue, he and Gary, uh, this season on season four of the SNL Hall of Fame. We're joined by Brad Robinson. Hello, sir. How are you doing tonight? Thomas, hello. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm ecstatic to be here. Wonderful. You guys are doing a hell of a job on Thank- the Not Ready for Primetime podcast. Thank you. You guys have been like so kind to us, and, and it's been great. So thank you so much, and we love having you on. And so, yeah, I appreciate it. Man, I'm a fan. So uh, so to the question, which current <clears throat> cast member, not including Keenan, could you see in the SNL Hall of Fame someday? David Spade's not on the show anymore, right? David Spade. Is he? No. No, no, okay. no. I'm, I'm being told David Spade's not on the show. Sometimes labeled old. Um, I go with Ego. I love Ego. I think she's great. I think she needs more seasons, but I love watching her. And if she sticks around long enough, I think she'd be my number one candidate. I would agree. I can see. I think there's a path to to Ego being in that upper echelon of of uh, cast members. I really, really love Ego stuff. I think that's a that's a great answer, Brad. Um, also joining us from the Saturday Night Network super fans, and he was my guest for Jason Sudeikis this season. We have Mr. Bill Kenny. Hello, Bill. 
Hey, Thomas. Uh, so great to be back. Haven't been on a roundtable in a couple of seasons, so I'm excited to uh, announce my ballot and uh, take some prisoners here. <laughs> yes. Bill's ruthless. He's cutthroat in these things. Watch out. <laughs> so, Bill, Brad said ego. I don't know if you agree or if you have, and also if you have your <laughs> own uh, current cast member who could be in the Esno Hall of Fame someday. I think Ego's on a great trajectory, um, but my choice would be uh, Heidi Gardner. Uh, as anyone who's heard me talk knows, I, I think she's great. I think she's Jan Hooks-esque, which, Thomas, you know That's, what ooh, that means whoa. to me. So, yeah, I think she needs a couple of really strong seasons uh, to to round out her career, but she could be there for sure. Yeah, I can definitely see that. We all We love Heidi, and... Uh, I think it's, um, I hope she stays a few more seasons to see her her uh, resume keep growing. Uh, that's a really great choice, Bill. And also, third person on the panel joining me from Saturday Night Network by the Numbers Show, first timer here on the SNL Hall of Fame. I was uh, on uh, the SNN by the Numbers recently, so we're doing a little home and home here, which is awesome. And someone who Mikey Day, I know, admires very much, <laughs> Mike Murray. Thanks for coming by, Mike. Thanks for having me, Thomas. You were a great guest on By the Numbers this year, and it's happy to uh, to join you guys for this. And it was fun to look at that ballot and like, wow, there's some that are obvious and some that I could make a really strong case for. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to get your perspective because you talk a lot of current SNL. Of course, you talk you go into the numbers on the current season. So I'm interested to get your perspective on SNL history as well. Yeah, it's different uh, for me. The prep for this show, like looking back and you know, like you know, they're they're all people that are off the show, of course. So I you know I have stats going back, screen time appearances from wow. season 44 till now. So it's about 103 or four episodes that I have complete data on. But, you know, looking back at these, I'm like, I can't wait to get back there. So, yeah, so so you're definitely, this is going to be cool to see uh, a little analytic, analytical perspective uh, on the SNL Hall of Fame ballot. That's awesome. So which current cast member could you see in the SNL Hall of Fame someday, Mike? So I didn't know we were going to pick one. So I, I think it's oh, a strong you can pick, cast. I mean, you could pick um, I'm going to stick yeah. with one to, you know, match my uh, <laughs> contemporaries here. Um, but there, there can be a case for both, and I wrote, also wrote, wrote down um, three, three writers that I'd put in there, too. Um, but I'm going to go with Bowen Yang. I think that what Bowen's brought to the show and made an impact so quickly in the stacked cast of the Cecily, AD, Kate, Pete, Beck era of the show that was so dominant that Bowen came in with Chloe um, near the end of that and impact right away, and I could just see... Uh, I like to think of people who have this type of sketch. So some people don't like that, but where someone has like, oh, this is this person's sketch. But I think with Bo and Yang, his type of comedy is unique to him and has made the show great the past few years, even when it's not been so great. So I'm going to go with Bowen. Yeah, I'll say this about Bowen for sure. He's had moments that really stick out. And I think years down the line, People, a lot of people remember SNL throughout the years and they have moments in their head. And I think Bowen has a lot of those, like the iceberg is one of them. Actually, a lot of his weekend update appearances are moments that, that people will just remember fondly, I think. Uh, I'm interested because I asked this question last year on the roundtable. People brought up Che and Jost as a duo. So I'm curious, like Bill, like what, 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 would, you, what would you think of like Che and Jost possibly as a duo Going into the Hall of Fame. 
Well, that's interesting because we've been on the Saturday Night Network, as you know, Thomas, you've been on, uh, doing the greatest cast members of all time. And there are two that didn't make the top 50, uh, but on my list they did, and they are right next to each other. I don't think you can talk about one without the other. It's not like Tina, who worked with Amy and Jimmy. It's not like Amy, who worked with Seth and Tina. So they've been together for so long. They've hosted Weekend Update for so long. That, yeah, I, I think they are Hall of Famers. I think they're in the top three of Weekend Update anchors of all time. Yeah, that's, I think they would go That's high the, praise. That's that's huge, yeah, coming from you. I think they would probably go in as writers. So it was brought up like Che and Jost as a writing team. And we have we do have a writing team. We have Lonely Island already in the SNO Hall. We have a writing team up for consideration on this ballot. So it would almost be like Che and Jost as writers together i think and i i agree i think the shay and joe's for my money they're my favorite weekend update folks of all time so i think you know and they have the record for longest update hosts both individually and together really oh my gosh they passed seth myers uh in october of 2021 that's right Yeah. yeah i think the interesting thing with with them is i and some people would disagree with this i don't i'm not in a rush to see them leave i still think they've got it a lot of the time with Weekend Update, by the fifth or sixth or seventh season, you're like, all right, this is, yeah. you know, they're doing the same thing, same shtick. And they do have some of the same mannerisms, same things that they go to. But I think that um, there's enough difference, and they still bring the funny. They have the Norm MacDonald-type uh, snark, to at least Che does. So I, I think uh, I'd like to see them at least through the 50th. Yeah, I think uh, I think maybe they become so reliable, in my opinion, that it's almost boring. To some folks at the at this point, I think they, uh, it's just kind of they kind of take for granted that there's not a lot of variance. Like there's not you're not get it like a really sucky weekend update, but maybe for some people there's not a high ceiling anymore as far as how good it's going to be. So I I can definitely uh, understand that. Brad, do you have thoughts about about I, this? I agree with your point there. I I think I've just I think I don't not enjoy them but i feel like they've been there long enough i'd like to see somebody new do it they kind of you know what you're getting every time it is what it is and i think i'd like to see somebody fresh in there yeah no i i think that's completely fair so uh so yeah so thanks for sharing that little icebreaker question and let's get into the uh, uh the rules of the game here as far as uh sharing your ballots and voting and whatnot so rules are simple you all have uh, every Hall of Fame voter has up to fifteen votes. You can use one vote if you if you'd like. Though from looking at the ballot, that would just mean you're an SNL Grinch. I'm not pointing at anybody in particular on this panel when I say that. I'm just saying that you'd be an SNL Grinch if you just use like one or two votes. So up to fifteen. <laughs> we might shame you if you you use like just like a handful. So. And uh, I want to know from you guys, before we get into the nominees and your ballots, um, I'm always interested how many votes that you're kind of planning on using heading into this. So uh, I want to start with you, Mike. Like Going into this, are you using all 15? Are you being a little more tight with the votes? What's your process? Well, I'm definitely in sports and elsewhere a small hall guy. So Mm -hmm. in the first season of this show... I was very conservative with people that have to be in there. I mean, we can make that case for so many of these great names, but I was pretty conservative my first ballot. Of course, being on today and seeing who's left, who's been on multiple ballots and hasn't got in, I feel like there's a responsibility on my part to 
um, give some support to those that we don't want them to be dropped um, into the uh, into the trash heap. So I, I had to maybe uh, be a little bit more liberal today. So I think I have 13 or 14 okay. on my ballot today. Yeah, that's a good number. And I think that's a good point. So if somebody hasn't been elected to the hall after five voting rounds, so five seasons on the ballot, then they're eliminated from the ballot. So so that's, you know, you that's you have that under consideration. I know heading into this, I think it was Brad reached out and said, Hey, you know, this is information I want to know. And so yeah, so it's it's five voting cycles. And if they're not on uh in the hall after that, then much like the baseball hall of fame, sorry, then they're just off the ballot. The voters have spoken and they would be off the ballot. So is there a Bill, legacy yeah. committee to there, you uh, know, you know what? There is. Yeah, it's the okay. Don Pardo Award. And so the the first inductee this year, thanks for bringing that up, Mike, was Don Pardo. <laughs> so it's almost like a veterans committee. We named it after Don Pardo. So Don Pardo is in the SNL Hall of Fame, and he didn't get voted in. It was just we decided on the uh, on the committee to vote him in. Uh, next season, there's going to be another person or people receiving the Don Pardo Award. An automatic. It's almost like baseball veterans committee in, in in a little way. Yeah. So, Bill, what's your strategy? How many votes are you using coming in? Well, I learned something new about my my good friend Mike tonight. Uh, small hall guy. That's interesting. I am a big hall guy. I think that if you've earned your right, uh, you definitely deserve to be in. Uh, I have no problem having as long as they are deserving. I don't think, especially with the show with the history of SNL with all the different categories, with the writing and with the hosts and musical guests and obviously the cast, you got to have a big ballot. So I, I've got 15. 15. I think, uh, yeah, looking at the ballot, it's pretty stacked. A lot of, uh, I think a lot of nominees who probably should be in. <laughs> I know this is a sub- subjective thing, but a lot of nominees probably should be in who aren't. Uh, so I think 15 is very fair. Brad, what's uh, what's your thought process coming in? Well, Thomas, I didn't want to disappoint. Whether you want to call it a grump or a grinch or whatever. Coming in literally probably three minutes before we, we signed on, I had 11 votes. Okay. And none of them were first-time ballots. At so the last want... second, I added a 12th vote, and it is a first-time ballot member. But that I, I, it's funny. I, f- I feel like you guys are at a really cool spot now in, in the show because a lot of the big guns are in. And so now you really get into the debate about who deserves, who doesn't deserve. To Mike's point, like, who do you not want to see fall off? I think I, I think last year I was on a roundtable and I mentioned I was playing like prevent defense. And I was giving people votes that I wanted to see not fall off and not giving people votes that I thought were going to get vote, enough votes in. And now that people are entering their third and fourth years, it's something I worry about. People I think really need to get in and I worry they're going to fall off. So right. My numbers are low. Okay. And so are you with sports, is that your mindset too, as far as like you have to be elite, elite, elite to be first ballot? Like, do you hold the first ballot thing in high yes. regard? That's a great analogy. Like, is this person a first ballot Hall of Famer? There's a big difference between an all-star, a Hall of Famer, and a first ballot Hall of Famer. And when to that point, when I looked at this list, how many people on this list were equal to somebody like a John Belushi uh, Dana Carvey, uh, Steve Martin, people who made it on their first ballots. I, I do weigh that and judge that I did when I made my mm-hmm. votes. I'm all, I always find that interesting because I'm generally, uh, if they're a Hall of Famer, they're a Hall of Famer, so it doesn't matter what ballot. But I can see 
the separation, the distinction between first ballot and not in some people's minds. Bill, you're, I know you you love, love, love baseball. Are you a first ballot kind of guy? or Completely, 100% with Brad on that. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I took a little bit of flack the first roundtable we did uh, that I left James Downey off because of his last 10 years on the show and how much he had fallen off the cliff and not that he should never be in or anything to that. But, and, and I, I get, you know, how big he is, but it, it was, it was too much to ask to put him on the first ballot for me. So mm-hmm. I think there is that separation. Uh, and that's also in your mind as well. That's subjective based on the fan. So uh, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see, uh, how much we all match up. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. And yeah, Jim Downey is still on the ballot as a writer. Uh, Before we get into your selections, I'm going to go through the nominees for the listeners, and then we'll reveal your ballots. So we have 34 nominees on the ballot this year. Uh, As far as cast members go, we have nine. First-timers include Fred Armisen, Vanessa Baer, Anna Gasteyer, Daryl Hammond, Chris Parnell, and Jason Sudeikis. And returning to the ballot, Jan Hooks, Maya Rudolph, and Molly Shannon. For hosts, we have 10 hosts on the ballot, a couple first-timers in Jim Carrey and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Returning to the ballot, Candace Bergen, Buck Henry, Scarlett Johansson, Melissa McCarthy, John Mulaney, Paul Rudd, Emma Stone, and Justin Timberlake. The Emma Stone's interesting. She's hosting. As of this recording, she hasn't hosted yet, but she'll have hosted a, a fifth time by the time we release this. So, that's an interesting name there on the ballot. So for musical guests, we have six musical guests. First timers, David Bowie and Lady Gaga. Returning, Dave Grohl, Paul McCartney, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and Prince. And in the writing category, which I'd like to see more love to the writing category, just overall, just selfishly. First, so first timers, we have Rosie Schuster and Adam McKay. Returning to the ballot, the aforementioned Jim Downey. We have Franken and Davis, Jack Handy, Michael O'Donohue, Paula Pell, and Herb Sargent. And in the producer category, Dick Ebersol is on the ballot. So that's your 34. All right, time to uh, reveal some ballots. So I'm going to start with the newcomer here, Mike Murray. So uh, we want to reveal your uh, your first on your ballot, however you want to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a ranking, just whoever you feel like revealing and talking about right now. I would love to go first, and I would love to pick this individual first. Someone I was very disappointed to see wasn't in yet, but honored that I could be a part of getting them in. And that is first head writer, first person to deliver a line in SNL history. It's Michael O'Donohue with my first pick. All right, Michael O'Donohue. Controversial Michael O'Donohue. Maybe he rubs a lot of voters the wrong way a bit, little bit like Mike. Why, you know, make your case a little bit for for Michael O'Donoghue here. Well, this is something that I I kind of made a a few notes about what I would consider to be a Hall of Famer, and a big thing that I put some weight into is just heavily influencing the fabric of SNL. And I'm thinking about 1975, October 11th, this show on television. No one knows what they're about to see. It could have been. A clean show. It could have been a very blue show. It could have been anything. It could have been all Muppets. You know, it could have been anything. And I feel like his style as a satirist and being this kind of edgy and sardonic flavor, this whole thing 
set the framework for the show. And we can get into sketches and things that he contributed, you know, specifically. But for that alone, I think he is more than qualified to be an SNL Hall of Famer. And I, I also, like sports, put a lot of investment into being a founder. So that as well. Yeah, Bill, um, what do you have to say about what Mike said? And is Michael O'Donohue on your ballot? He definitely is. Uh, He definitely deserves to be in. We still talk to this day on Modern SNL uh, about the show taking risks, uh, stepping out of the box, doing something different. He did that. He personified that. Was he over the top sometimes? Yes. Did he go too far? Maybe. But he wrote some of the greatest sketches in SNL history. And his persona, when he would appear on the show, as Mr. Mike, uh, is some of my favorite stuff uh, from that era when he would go on the stage and talk about plunging steel needles into his eyes as Mike Douglas. Uh, still makes me laugh. I, I, I don't think that's aged badly at all. I, yeah. You probably couldn't do that today because somebody <laughs> would be offended and go on Twitter and, and complain. But um, yeah, no, I mean, he. this is what you want from a writer, from a comedic writer. You don't want safe. You don't want formulaic. And he provided that. So he is definitely on my ballot. And Brad, you were, you and Gary were my guests for Michael O'Donoghue. Are you going to shock the world and leave him off your ballot? No, no, no. He's at the top of mine or near the top. To what Mike and Bill both said, um, and not even his individual sketches, which I agree with Bill. Some of the stuff he wrote are some of the best sketches of all time. But it, it's more the legacy and what he meant to that show starting out those first three seasons. He was the first head writer. I don't think you can uh, give that enough credit for season one. You know, we talked about when we fought for him and on his episode, you know, I think there's there's four people that you really have to attribute the success of Saturday Night Live season one for. And remember, Saturday Night Live was not a hit when it first started. It wasn't a guaranteed show. So it was a very rocky road. It could have failed. And I feel like there's four people who are really responsible for it surviving and being successful that first season. One is Chevy, the other's Lorne, Davy Wilson, the director, and the fourth is Michael O'Donoghue, the head writer. And if it wasn't stuff he specifically wrote, he was really leading the ship as to what this voice of this new show is going to be. You see his influence on Alan's Bell. You see his influence on early Franken and Davis. It's, his f- fingerprint is everywhere on that show. And I don't think it's overstating it when I said it on our episode where Without Michael O'Donoghue, there's a very good chance Saturday Night Live does not see a second season. And I think you have to reward that. And it's a yeah. sin it's taken four votes to get him in. Well, I think that's a good point. I, I've had to warm up to O'Donoghue's candidacy over the years a little bit. I think, Brad, you and Gary helped help me understand or, or I guess, kind of do some soul searching as far as how important he actually was to the show. And it wasn't all just shock value, even oh though some God, of that no. was funny, but he, a lot of it was, he wrote a lot of really clever, more quote unquote straight sketches too. Yeah. And, but he's going to have a uphill battle to climb. So, <laughs> and so, I think he has an uphill battle for two reasons. And it's a bummer. Uh-huh. One, I think is, is the age. It's just, he's so old and a lot of people don't know who he is or don't really remember or know. And the second is what they do know of him is not as a writer, but as the on-camera, as the yeah. Mr. Mike, which Bill said he likes it, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people are put off by him and his danger and edginess and all that. And I think those two things are really going to hurt his candidacy as a writer, which is what he's being nominated for should be a shoe in 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he he received 11.1% of the vote after season three. Uh, Yeah, Bill's shaking his head, and I think that that deserves a head shake as well. I can see maybe him not being in, but that's criminally low, I think, for Michael O'Donohue. So let's get those numbers up. I think he'll get more uh, this round. Will it be enough to make it? I don't know. So all three of our panelists have Michael O'Donohue. On their ballot, uh, Brad, I want you to uh, share your first choice, who you want to talk about. Well, after Michael O'Donohue, I think there's a second candidate that is a sin that they're not in the Hall of Fame, but I know somebody else wants to talk about it, so I don't want to steal that thunder. I'm going to go with James Downey as my first pick. This is another one. When he came up in season one and didn't make it, I was flabbergasted, almost to the point I actually wrote into Jamie, and I'm like, what happened? How did he not get on in the Hall of Fame? James Downey comes in season one. He's there for so many years. He does a stint as head writer. He, he, his fingerprint is on generations of cast and sketches. And he just did so much for the, the longevity and the, and the vibe and the feel of this show that, that it's, uh, it's another one where I just feel like, I don't know how you don't put him in. Oh, you should ask Bill because <laughs> Bill, you said you didn't vote for, for Jim Downey maybe the first ballot is have you softened on that a little bit i absolutely did yes no i like i said i i have a lot of problems with the way his tenure ended and you you can attribute this to athletes as well if someone stays around too long if you see willie mays stumbling around at shea stadium as a met does that ruin their legacy and i think it ruined his just a bit he stayed on way too long. He was writing 12-minute cold opens that were not funny, that were not biting, that were not sharp. That said, you cannot overstate how important he was to the show, if you like politics at all. I, can, I, I give him full credit for getting me into politics because of what he did in 86, 88. The 88 Republican debate where Dan Aykroyd does a cameo, still one of my favorite sketches obviously the Bush Gore stuff. I mean, you can just go on and on. And it's not just politics. I mean, he wrote so many great things with the show. Uh, Obviously, the Norm Weekend Update stuff. He is definitely a Hall of Famer for sure. He is one of the founders of the show as well. So definitely has to be in and is on my ballot. Yeah, Mike, are we three for three? We're three for three. Jim Downey was uh, second on my list after O'Donohue of people that have to get in, in my opinion. Um, so a lot of it's been said by Brad and Bill, but I'm a huge Norm Update guy. Um, he's my favorite of all time. And if if you'd never heard of Jim Downey and you were just told that how much emphasis Norm put on him when he was being fired and, and like, you know, they basically, one didn't want to do without the other and just how integral he was to Norm's update tenure. So if you are a fan of that, you have to give a ton of credit to Downey behind the scenes, off camera, as well as Norm, you know, on stage, on camera. So for for that alone, that gives him a ton. And yeah, we mentioned the lockbox strategery cold open season twenty six. Uh, Brad mentioned the multiple stints. And uh, shout out to the SNL digital short of Andy's dad. It has to be the best writer cameo of all time because if you didn't know who Jim Downey was, you would just think he's just some guy. But the fact that it was Jim Downey made that sketch an all-timer for me. So I'm a huge Downey fan um, from Billy Madison, one of the best monologues in movie history. Also, he was a cast member sketch um, writer. So 
in season five when they brought the uh, the writers in. So he gets he should get some credit for that too. Yeah, definitely. I'm not necessarily sharing my entire ballot or whatever, but he's one of seven that I had as a lock, an absolute stone cold lock. So I I definitely agree with this. Hopefully, this is a good indication of maybe the writers getting some love. We have all three of you uh, putting in Downey and Michael O'Donohue. So hopefully, this is like the way that the voters at large are thinking. So uh, yeah, we'll see. So Bill, uh, I want to go uh, again to you. Uh, do you do you have a cast member? Let's let's hear let's hear a cast member from you if you got one. Do you think I do, Thomas? No. <laughs> well i mean if you know me you know who i'm going with here uh i i did a great uh, i did a great uh conversation with you last year about that and uh obviously i'm going with the undeniably great jan hooks probably the most underrated cast member in the history of the show judging on how how she's not in the hall of fame at this point it's ludicrous. Uh, she was one of the first uh, great female comedians on the show. Obviously, we had the original three of Gilda, Jane, and Lorraine. But then, as as I've discussed, you know, we have five or six years where very talented women are on this show and get no play. You have Julia Louis Dreyfus. You have uh, Mary Gross and Robin Duke and Gail Mathias. None of them, they're all the housewives in the background. They don't have anything to say. They have very few sketches that you can point to. And then Jan comes in with this all-time golden era cast with Phil and Dana and uh, the rest. And she shines all on her own. I, I'm re-watching season 12 right now because it's kind of my comfort food to go back and watch that every couple years. She's, she's amazing. She has, obviously, the Sweeney sisters, all the stuff that she does with Phil, like the love is a dream. Marge Keister, her impression of Betty Davis, uh, Thomas, you and I have talked about Dee Kelly, which mm-hmm. no one remembers but you and I, I think, uh, <laughs> with attitudes. Uh, and, and of course, Hillary, who she would come back as a special guest. And uh, she, she came back as a special guest nine times after she left. Uh, when we were discussing her on the uh, greatest cast members of all time, there's only two other people. I think Don Novello and Dan Aykroyd, I think we we figured that were credited in the opening credits as a special guest, a former cast member. So amazing career. Obviously, uh, back then it was only five years, six years for somebody. She was on for five, but one of the best of all time. Yeah, you and I gushed about her uh, in season three. So I urge people to go back and listen to that one. That was a fun episode. Brad or Mike, do either of you have Jan Hooks? I do. I have Jan Hooks on my ballot, and if only I could share uh, my screen with my Jan Hooks notes. Uh, take my word for it, but the my number one note is defer to Bill K. It's my number one. Note <laughs> we parted. We cleared the way for Bill yeah. for that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, what it's she's easily on my Mount Rushmore of uh, women in SNL. So if if you took the two Mount Rushmores of male and female cast members. You'd have to say, well, all eight of them have to be in the Hall of Fame. Jan Hooks is not, so she's got to be in now. Um, in with uh, John Lovitz, Phil Hartman, Dana. I think she elevated them. She made them better. Her supporting work, um, when it was supporting work and utility play, was just as impressive to me as when she was, you know, doing Sweeney Sisters with Nora Dunn and things like that. So Jan Hooks, easy vote for me. 
Yeah, Brad, is she one of the people who you wanted to get into the hall before she's not on the ballot anymore? I, no, she's one of the people I couldn't believe wasn't in on the first time. Like, yeah. I just, I, this is who I was referencing if you haven't picked up on it. <laughs> I knew Bill Wonder. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love the conversation you guys had. I loved uh, the episode, Bill, you guys did on the countdown where you, like, everything you guys said in both those instances was spot on. She's an amazing actress, an amazing comedian. Uh, she does impressions. She does characters. I think she's part of one of the best, if not best, overall cast of all time. You can't. You got to give a little bit of credit to what that cast means to the show, what they did for the show, and 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 where they got that show to from where they when they started with. I mean, her and Dana and Mike and Kevin Nealon and Phil Hartman and Lovitz and and Miller. I mean, it's just she's she's an integral part of that, and. um uh, yeah, I, it just baffles me. She's, it baffles me we're talking about her again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. And I'm going to use another sports term, usage rate. And I think her usage rate would have been higher in a less stacked cast. So yeah, I think that that has to be factored in too. So you have people like Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey, where I think you know they, they took a lot of reps that maybe somebody like an amazing performer like Jan possibly could have taken in maybe a lesser era of SNL. So I think that has to be factored in as well. Uh, Mike, I want to go back to you. Uh, who's the next person you'd like to talk about? Do you want to, uh, should I go cast host? Any, any preference? Go host. Okay. Host. That's easy for me. And I, I listened to the great episode um, today with my friend, John Schneider on it about Buck Henry. So another way, you know, getting the easy ones out of the way right now. So we haven't uh, fought each other yet, but <laughs> I thought um, Buck Henry and another one that, of course, that kind of legacy thing, I feel like a lot of people might not be familiar with him, even on name recognition alone, let alone his work on SNL or work outside of SNL. Um, so great episode that you guys did. Uh, please check it out if you haven't. And uh, like John pointed out, first host to appear on Update. And you guys talked about his work with the Jim Belushi Samurai. So talking to an old head of SNL, you talk about that sketch. And Buck Henry had some great work there. And I thought he just kind of established a template for what the host duties are and can be. Uh, he hosted the finales. And so I think Buck Henry is the first, uh, oh, he, he was the 10-time host, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, someone who's hosted 10-plus times, you could argue stats alone that they should get in. But if you really get into his episodes, um, it's really, it's just classic SNL. So that, uh, for that for me, I'm 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 a big sucker for that. So put, throwing on a Buck Henry episode, not every sketch is going to hit, but when he's on, he's on. So Buck Henry for me is my host submission tonight. Yeah, that's a great one, Brad. You and Gary, uh, your podcast deals with the first five seasons of SNL, so you're in the midst of just appreciating. I think it sounds like Buck's, you know, legacy and his hosting chops. Like you know, give it to us. You, you make us proud. You're, you're putting him in. 100%. Another one. Definitely needs to be in. Uh, Mike mentioned, yeah, he's hosted 10 times. He did it in five years. This guy made the Five Timers Club before it was a thing by season three. Um, and, and, let, and stats aside, uh, he, was a, he was a great host in that he did two things great. One, he brought the cast together and brought them to elevate their game. And you could see when you watch a Buck Henry episode, all of the cast is bringing their A game. He could also elevate stuff. So if you got some writing materials from sketches that just weren't the best or weren't the greatest, you could see Buck lifting it up. And you knew that if you brought a sketch that week to Buck Henry, 
he could add something to it. He could, he could give it to you. It's not a host who just comes in and says, tell me what you guys have. I'll do what you want me to do. He had a voice. He would do things. Uh, he's, I think, the first host. I'm pretty sure he's the first host to have his own reoccurring character. And he has several between uh, Samurai with John and Nerds and uh, Uncle Roy later on. But he, he, like, so he himself as a host would have his own recurring characters. Um, and, and what he gave the show so early on was a lot of credibility. A guy of his stature and his abilities. Um, he just, yeah. And like Mike said, you might not always get the best episode with Buck Henry, but you're going to enjoy it. It's always good, and you're always getting good stuff. What these guys have said, uh, the same. I mean, he's on my ballot, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's very few hosts in the history of the show that you could point to that you knew you were going to get a good show, no matter what. There's plenty of five-timers, but there's plenty of duds in those five-timers, at least in episodes. So I think he brought so much to the show. I think he loses something from modern audiences because... He decided to hang it up after the fifth. He, he left with the original cast, never came back, didn't do what Steve Martin did. And I think that hurts him legacy-wise for younger viewers, um, unfairly. Uh, he, he is so important to the history of the show. And he really hosted 11, if we're being fair, because he was the host of the Anyone Can Host show, let's be honest. So, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime Buck comes on the screen, I'm happy. Uh, Uncle Roy... What can you say? I mean, uh, the shower mic, which was Billy's uh, breakout sketch yeah, that was uh, great. with Gilda. And then uh, he was in all the classics. He was in Coneheads. He was in Olympia Diner, uh, Nick the Lounge Singer. Uh, so there, there's so much there. He definitely deserves to be in. The only, I just want to add one more thing to what Bill said. You know, Buck did come back once after those five seasons. And it is probably one of my favorite moments of all time. It's at the 15th anniversary show. And you got to remember, this is the time when SNL doesn't know what it's doing. It doesn't know it's doing 50 years. It's their first anniversary special. And this is the first time you saw Buck Henry on the stage since the end of season five. And the he comes out, he's like, hi, I'm Buck Henry, you know, covering for Steve Martin because Steve Martin was uh, stage fright or whatever and couldn't perform live in front of a crowd. And Buck Henry comes out and says, oh, hi, I'm Buck Henry. And that place goes nuts. And it's just such a great moment. And they also make a bunch of Buck Henry jokes that night, which was really great. And it was, it, if you look at it in the context of this might be the only anniversary show SNL ever did, they really went back and made sure they made a point to point out Buck Henry. And I think you got to take note of that too. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great point. Uh, Bill, I actually want to go back to you to even the numbers out a little bit. You have a little, a few more left on your your ballot than the other two. I want you to give me one that you might think is more of a curveball, possibly like that maybe Brad or Mike don't have on their ballot. Well, I don't know. With, with these heavyweights on the panel, I don't know. I, I think they'll probably have a lot. We'll, we'll see. Basically, um, I'm saying everybody's being too nice and agreeable right now. <laughs> Bill, so Bill, Bill, just let's nominate go. somebody after 1997, <laughs> and you'll probably throw me a curveball. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I'm going to nominate Louis C.K. And no, no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> too soon? Too soon. Uh, okay, uh, if we're going to do that, let, I'm going to say Adam McKay. So he comes onto the show after, uh, you know, season 20, the, the infamous season 20, and he comes in with this new cast, the, the cast that we love with Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry, Uh and within a year, he's promoted to head writer. Uh, and he had so many great pieces. Obviously, we know what he did after his career with Anchorman and uh, Talladega Nights and things like that. 
But while he was on the show, uh, some of the classics that he did, like Wake Up and Smile, he was responsible for a lot of the celebrity Jeopardies, Bill Brasky, which is an all-time sketch for me, um, Mr. Peepers, Love It or Hate It. And uh, he, he also was involved with my best friend, Robert Smigel, in a lot of the uh, TV Funhouse. He did a lot of the uh, things with that. And he was the first digital short guy, not Lonely Island. So if you go back and watch, he did a lot of the uh, man on the street pieces. And, uh, but he just had such a comic sensibility to him. He also was one of the best writers in the audience pieces that they did in the monologues at that time. Uh, he pretty much played the same character every time. I think it was Keith. Uh, where they would cut to him and he would just give the uh, cat, the uh, host a hard time. So That's I love Adam McKay. Keith from the audience. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> Only Bill Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, his legacy after the show, obviously that's not going into this, but it's important because he made so many great movies, so many comedic movies of the mid-aughts, and his six years on the show were fantastic, so. I'm going with Adam McKay. Uh, Mike or Brad, do either of you have Adam McKay? No. Brad, why do you hate Adam McKay? Jesus, Thomas. Uh, <laughs> it's my job to ask lo- the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, cause, uh, back to what I kind of said at the top, I, I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Also, when we get to the end of my ballot, it is almost 50% writers, and those are 50% writers who I feel like need to get in the Hall of Fame before Adam McKay gets in. So I don't dislike Adam McKay. I don't think he's not worthy, but there's people that I think need to get in before he gets in. And Mike doesn't have Adam McKay. Uh, I don't, and uh, I... Because you I hate him. Just say you hate him, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean... Literally, I could have just, um, you know, rewind and play what Brad said. I, I do, when we asked at the top, Thomas, about the first bout Hall of Famer, I do put a lot of weight into that because when we're, you know, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to be doing this show in 10 years and you can list off first bout Hall of Famers. And I feel like if you if you snuck Adam McKay in there, that might be, it, you know, it, it, it wouldn't seem right to be like, you know, Steve yeah. Martin, Phil Hartman, and Adam McKay. Well, he's so, going to be on the ballot in 10 years with George Coe. So I think you'll yeah. have a good chance by then. Ten years, so you can you can last on the ballot for ten years. Oh no, but <laughs> I just I just like to talk about George Coe on the podcast yeah. whenever possible. Me too. Um, <laughs> let's do a George Coe podcast. Yes, a special. <laughs> hey, we have. I told you about the Don Pardo Award. Maybe George Coe. I don't know. <laughs> Don You're Pardo, re- uh, you are reaching, yes. my friend. <laughs> Pride um, of Westfield, Mass. Don Pardo, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but um yeah so same thing i think the first ballot thing definitely threw me especially when i was i was trying to keep my list at 10 and below but mm-hmm. i did exceed that i think i have two first ballots on my list and so this time around adam mckay was not one of them uh, let me push back a little bit on that like now sure. with with the dire straits the show was in 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 1995 you cannot overstate how important good writing was to the show because it was not necessarily Sandler and Farley and Myers not doing their job anymore. The writing fell off the cliff. And to bring a, a guy in who was pretty young at the time in Adam McKay and have him kind of write so many big pieces, along with somebody else who may come up a little bit later, was so vital to the show surviving. So we're sitting here right before season 50 to talk about it. I think that's a valid point, and, and and I urge anybody. I I think I think the episode came out really well. Uh, Jeremy Dove was on with me to talk about Adam McKay, 
So I think uh, Deremy made a great case for him. Mike, you said you had two first ballots uh, uh, on your list. Uh, who's one of them? One of them, very easy for me. And again, I'll reiterate that first ballot Hall of Famer should be an honor. So it is my pleasure to say Jason Sudeikis because he is top five cast members for me of all time. I might be a little biased, my high school cast, as we all say, we love our high school cast, but I think Jason Sudeikis could be in any cast. You could put him in the 70s, 80s, 90s, anywhere. I think his range was amazing. I mean, my notes on Sudeikis, I just, top of the dome, could just say so many roles that I loved of him, of the devil, the cop in Scared Straight, Pete Twinkle and Greg Stink with Will Forte, even a niche one I'll throw for you. Um, his Dane Cook MLB postseason 07 was, I would quote that for so long, and it was in one episode, but it made an impression. So, like I said, top five cast member for me, I have to put him in. So first ballot, I think Sudeikis is a first ballot, and I don't want to, I think recency bias could be a bad thing for Sudeikis because he is fairly recent, but I think he is up there with, um, with the greats. So Sudeikis was easy for me. And Bill, you were my guest for Sudeikis, so I'm going to hold off. I'm going to let you kind of just sit on it real quick because I want, I'm want. i curious about Brad because you had mentioned something. If it's past 97, there might be a good chance. Does <laughs> Sudeikis fit that? Not on my ballot. Okay. I, I can't say anything bad about him. I mean, there's not, there's not many people that are on these ballots that you're going to say bad things or shouldn't be nominated. There's a few, don't get me wrong, but he's not one. I love Sudeikis. He's hilarious. I can't argue anything that Matt said. I probably won't argue anything that Bill said. I just, it's, I look at it of people that I feel overall history need to get in and are on their third and fourths and they're struggling with their vote percentage. Sudeikis, I know, is going to get votes. So I'm not giving him a vote because I want to give my vote to somebody I'm worried might fall off the ballot that I think needs to get in at some point. Okay. Bill is seething right now. I can see it in his eyes. (laughs) What do you think, Bill? Don't lie to those audio uh, listeners, Thomas. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not. I, I I respect that. That's some strategy there by Brad. Uh, so I I, <laughs> I have to put him in. I, I obviously I was on with you. We had a wonderful conversation about him. I feel like, and, and we talked about this. There is a direct line from Phil to Will to Jason as far as the glue, the alpha male, the the guy you go to in the cast when you just need that role filled. And he, he had so many great roles, a lot of them that Mike just mentioned. Um, obviously, uh, John Bovey, the main justice as well. Uh, and he did a great Letterman, even though it was not as good as Norm's. And uh, probably the best Biden, I don't know, out of the 77 that they've done on the show. It's probably up there for sure. I, I don't know. J.J. and Mikey may want to have a word about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's a no doubt Hall of Famer for me. Yeah, he was one of the locks uh, on my list too. I have him almost a top ten cast member, and, and so that's that's really high praise. And I think Bill Bill's around has him around the same level uh, as I do. So Brad, I'm curious about who's next on your ballot that you want to discuss. Uh, well, here's one along those lines of of why I'm not voting for Sadikus. I think he deserves it to get in. I think he'll get in. The person I'm going to bring up next is someone who I don't think I voted for once or twice. But they deserve to get in, and I was, you know, I, at some point, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph is somebody I think is a Hall of Fame 
member. Should be in, wasn't her first ballot. She's now on her fourth, I believe. And it's like she, it's a combination of one, she needs to get in, and two, she better not fall off. So I'm, I did this, I think, with Lonely Island. I don't think I voted for them their first three times. Like Maya Rudolph, she's great. I mean, she, again, another one, does great characters amazing impressions she commits so much to almost everything she does it's very hard to watch a sketch with Maya Rudolph and not enjoy it she's one of those great cast members that can sing and has a bunch of different skills in her toolbox like she's just all around you know I know on uh, uh, the SNN they mentioned you know built for for sketch comedy or you know came out of the factory for a sketch comedy show. I, Maya Rudolph that that's her yeah Mike is Maya on your ballot well we've come to this probably my most controversial non-vote right here and, you know, maybe Brad can convince me because I have some empty slots. And I guess I, I, I didn't realize that she was on the very first ballot because I'm looking at your numbers, Thomas. And, you know, she has increased every year. So that should bode well for her getting in the Hall of Fame. Um, when I was looking at, though, I, again, to reiterate, was just thinking about people who I thought were in danger. And I just never thought she was in danger, but I guess did not get in the first time. Mm-hmm. And I guess I... Now that I've grown up and looked back at that, those seasons, I don't think they've aged as well as I hoped they would. And I think that's, her, that's tarnished in my head, the Tina, Jimmy, Maya, Horatio, Parnell era. Because when I, I was pretty young when it was on, but I was watching weekly at that time. And looking back, I'm, I'm not as high in those episodes. I think Maya as a performer is you know, undoubtedly so talented. So in, in this time, I, if I had a few votes, Maya would certainly be in there, just not in this time, and maybe I can be persuaded. I, I have my retort, if I may, Thomas. Yeah, please. So, I, Mike, you, you don't like the, that era, or say those sketches or that of SNL, correct? I mean, well, any era, there's, there's good and bad, yeah. So if you had a horrible baseball team, but you had an all-star Hall of Fame player on a shitty team, would that warrant them not getting voted in because they got stuck on a crappy team? Of course not, but I also don't think it was a crappy team. I just think that uh, when I, I've definitely, I, would, I don't want to use the word soured, but I've, I've definitely have reassessed it in recent years and doing a lot of SNL coverage. Yeah, I think, I think that might be the case for a lot of people. So Maya in season one got 47% of the vote up to 57.9, and then gradually a little bump to 58.3. I have a feeling she'll get in, but maybe not. I've heard that sentiment, Mike, from from a, a few people that perhaps maybe Maya, her, maybe her reputation doesn't quite equal like the output that was actually on the show. Like, Bill, what would you say to that line of thinking? Yeah, I with with Mike, the ultimate stats guy. I I'm, I'll be interested when he gets back to those seasons to see where she falls. She's not on my ballot. She's fairly low on my ballot, if I'm being honest. I love Maya. I love seeing her come back to the show. I love everything she's done since. But she doesn't have enough character work to me. She doesn't have a lot of original characters that stand up, and her impressions. Her Oprah was pretty good. I think her Beyonce is overrated. So I, I don't I don't think she's there. Now, will she get in? Probably, because she's more recent. Uh, she's still in the pop culture realm. Uh, she's come back to the show, as obviously, as, as Kamala. And uh, 
yeah, she's she's just not there for me. And a lot of what Mike said as far as that era, and, and it's not because it was shitty seasons. I think there's a lot of good there, but there's a lot of stuff that I just don't think is very funny anymore. Okay, yeah. And again, I think Maya will at some point get in. Uh, she's always, like, she pops up in, in shows. She comes back to SNL. And, and people love her. So she's one of those performers that I'm always fascinated by. She's almost like a Horshack a test uh, in a way for, for viewers as far, as far as what you value in a performer and how you view someone's legacy. So Maya is always one of the more interesting people uh, on this ballot for me. Bill, uh, I want to go back to you. Uh, who's next that you want to talk about? Well, here's somebody who definitely should get in uh, based on so many different things. Longevity, character work. His impressions are phenomenal. Of course, I'm talking about the great Daryl Hammond. He was on for 14 seasons, uh, which was unheard of, unthinkable in the 90s and the early 2000s. His Clinton is something that he's done across 20 seasons. And still, uh, to, for him to come in, a lot of the impressions that he did, he was taking over for the unbelievably great Phil Hartman. And he's still found his own way to do it. The Donahues, the Clintons, things like that. And even though you can say uh, his last couple seasons are not great, uh, did he stay too long? Probably. But uh, there's enough there that he built up in those 14 years. He was the go-to guy for so many different things. He, So I'm, I'm putting Daryl Hammond in. Yeah, I think Daryl is such an all-time cast member. Mike, is Daryl on your ballot? Daryl is on my ballot as a first ballot Hall of Famer, so I don't feel as high on Daryl as an overall body of work as I do Sudeikis, but I think with you know over 100 impressions on SNL, I know that's a volume stat because he was there 14 years, so he had plenty of opportunity to, to do so, but I think that it would be... I'd, I'd be a little derelict in my duty to not give him a vote because of the impact in the so many eras. And he, you, again, a guy you could fit anywhere because I don't think we look at Daryl as being ever like that crazy or zany, but he could, he could do that for sure. But with the impressions and leading cold opens, just Mr. Reliable. And I love guys like that on SNL who are just Mr. Reliable, you know, the, the, the lights flashing, they're counting down, cold open, Daryl Hammond's there doing O'Donnell or doing, an, doing a president from the White House, from the Oval Office, things like that. So I think Daryl Hammond, if, he, you know, if the SNL Hall of Fame is an institution, then Daryl Hammond should be in that institution for me. So he's my other um, first ballot guy. Yeah, and Brad, I have no doubts that you have respect for Daryl, but does that mean that he's on your ballot? Is he going to wait? Daryl Hammond is my lone first ballot uh, wow. right in. Yep. Everything these guys said, uh, Mr. Reliable, the guy you can count on, you know, his, what do you like, like batting average, if you will, it's got to be high. He, you could always count on him. You knew you, you were getting good laughs. I think even in his later seasons, I enjoyed him. I don't think we mentioned the Connery impression, which is one of the most iconic he's done, which to me is one of the funniest. Yeah, this is just, you know, in, in the vein, like Bill said, kind of in the vein of a, of, a, of a Phil Hartman. You know, you could count on him. He held the cast together. You could rely on him if you needed it. Yes, this is, this is to me, a guy who's worthy of a first ballot. That's great news. I love Daryl. Three for three. Brad gives, uh, gives his, uh, he signs that away. That's awesome. 
Uh, Daryl, on my personal ballot, he's one of the seven locks that I have coming in for, for me personally. I have Daryl as a top 20 cast member, an all-time great impressionist. So uh, definitely, I think Daryl will probably get in. Uh, it's, to, it's my best guess is he'll get in on the first ballot. Maybe not, but I think he should. So wonderful. Everybody has Daryl Hammond. Uh, Mike, I'm curious, who do you want to talk about next? I want to switch gears, and I'm going to refer Thomas again to, to, the, to the stats that we, you, you provided with us. And someone that I think would be a little bit of a cloud of shame on this great institution, um, you know, wipe your shoes off, but we yes. don't have Candy Bergen in the Hall of Fame. So you don't want to turn back around. So I have to put Candace Bergen in there as the first woman to host the show. She hosted a second time in season one. Crazy. I mean, it's we talked about Buck Henry doing his... Uh, all his hosting in such a short period of time. Candace Bergen turned around like, I'll, I'll see you next season, season two. No, next season, I'll be here. So I have to put Candace Bergen in. When she shows back up at the show, I, I like similar to like Elliot Gould, someone like that, I get really giddy and excited to see her back. Um, she was also in the first ever Landshark sketch. Um, I want to mm -hmm. Shout out to the Landshark. And um, yeah, so the legacy and impact of her on the show I think should uh, has to be talked about, and um, someone that her numbers are really low for the for the previous ballots, and that that worried me. So I, I had to immediately throw a vote on her name. Yeah, Candy. Uh, she was first on the ballot in season two. She got fifteen point two percent, up to seventeen point three. But yeah, comically low. The show loved her. She hosted a couple times in the show's infancy in season one. So Lauren obviously loved her. If Lauren looked at this ballot, he'd probably be like, oh, Thomas, why isn't Candy Bergen in the Esno Hall of Fame? So Way I, to slide that impression in there, Thomas. Yeah, Seamlessly. Thanks. Yeah. Brad, other than, other than my bad Lauren impression, do you, what do you think of Candy? Well, that I mean, I love Candace Bergen, but Ooh. she's not on my ballot. Um, and I, I have some opening spots, if anybody can convince me otherwise. She hosts three times in those early years pretty quickly and then disappears for about a decade from the show, um, which we actually talked about in one of our episodes coming out soon, her third episode. Um, and of those three episodes, one of the three is really bad. But, I, 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 yeah, this was a tough one for me. Like, I, I, I did go back and forth on it, and I think I may even had her on the ballot last year. I don't know. I just there's just something about it. I just when I looked at the other hosts that are getting in in the overall numbers, and I do worry that her numbers could fall off. So I did go back and forth on this a lot. But I just when I looked at the overall body of work, um, and I want to give credit because you know of, of the first woman five timer, and and that's important. So I, I'm on, I don't know. I don't have a I don't have a good defense as to why she's not in. So I could be easily turned. <laughs> Bill, we loved when Candy hosted the show. What do you think? You know, when Candy came in to host, uh, it was really the first time our show found its voice. Uh, yeah, I, listen, every every time, every, uh, every Christmas time, I go back and watch her classic episodes. Uh, she was in one of the greatest Christmas episodes of all time uh, with Consumer Probe and Killer Trees, Adopt Belushi for Christmas. She was great, and, and yeah, you can't overstate how important uh, at that time to have a female host come in and to have her come back so quickly. I, 
it's just amazing. Now, does she lose some points? Again, because it's been so long. Because her two 87, 90 episodes aren't the best. There was a um, classic in, in her 87 episode, though. Like what, 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 what maybe be uh, the Anne, Anne Boleyn sketch? It was one, yes. maybe one of my favorite uh, from that era. She was great yes, in that. That's, that's fair, yeah. But uh, the fact that she never really came back, I mean, she's been back for a few of the five-timer uh, sketches over the years. But yeah, I, I wonder if that hurts her. But she is on my ballot. Uh, okay. This is one of those situations where she she has to stay on this ballot. She's she's important to the history of the show and for womankind. So I'm all about propping up our, our female counterparts. Yes, wonderful. So we're two for three here on uh, Candace Bergen. Uh, Bill, I'm curious who's next uh, that you would like to talk about. Let's talk about, we haven't touched on musical guests, and this is always a dicey area. And uh, we've talked about it on roundtables before. The standard is so high, but there's somebody on here who definitely has to get in. Uh, Was recently on the show a couple weeks ago. And of course, I'm talking about Dave Grohl. Yes. Uh, I mean, this, this guy... What he has done over the course of 30 years, 30 years, he started with Nirvana, of course, uh, was on season 17, 17, and has come back 12 times. Of course, he's been in a lot of sketches, uh, he's been with three different bands, and uh, yeah, I mean, my thing with musical guests, this is the same I feel when I go to a concert, play the hits. And that hurts other people that are on this very ballot to me. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to come on and play what we know, let me give you some of the stuff. Smells Like Teen Spirit, Heart Shaped Box, uh, For All the Cows, Learn to Fly, All My Life, Times Like These. These, these are all-time bangers, and he's, he's done them all. So uh, Dave Grohl has to be in any Hall of Fame that involves SNL. I love that somebody said Dave Grohl. He's one of my seven locks for me. Personally, he's uh, the, the um, times like these uh, back in uh, after they announced Biden got elected and all that. That's like that still get, gives me chills, like them performing times like these. That night. Like that's like one of the more chill inducing performances I've ever seen on SNL. So I'm all aboard. I was going to ask you guys about musical guests. To me, Dave Grohl, like Mike, like analytics wise and numbers wise, like there's not a musical guest in the show's history that reaches the level of Dave Grohl. Like, what do you think? Yeah. 12 timer, 31 year span, three different groups. He's also was, um, with Mick Jagger for his famous episode, you know, the Kristen Wiig final episode. And if you talk about music in general, there's probably a few people who have the respect of like different genres and age groups as Dave Grohl, but in SNL alone, I mean, yeah, this is a dicey subject because, the criteria might not be as clear, but I think for Dave Grohl, he checks every box. So if he's not in, then I don't don't really know who will be. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm looking at the list of musical guests, and they're all um, people that I'm personally a fan of and listen to often. And Dave Grohl, I think Thomas, the first time I ever heard your silky smooth voice, <laughs> were you talking about Nirvana? Yes, I was on season one with okay. Jamie. And I was the guest for Nirvana, who's off the ballot. But I think that was a good thing because then I told Jamie, let's put Dave Grohl. Like, let's not put Dave Grohl on the ballot because he has such a strong case. 
Right. So, all right. I'm glad my, my memory serves me well because yes. the first time I ever heard uh, the name Thomas Senna was, <laughs> was that day when that episode dropped in the early SNL Hall of Fame <laughs> days. Um, that would have been really embarrassing if I messed that one up. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Um, so, so is so, Dave Dave's on your ballot? So then, Dave Mike? is on my ballot. Awesome. Yeah, what do you think, Brad? Make me proud. Uh, Dave Grohl is my lone musical guest awesome. on my ballot this year. I love, um, the, I love this panel. Real quick, not not that I'm second-guessing either of these two guys who know more about probably the total history of the show, but wasn't he in four bands on the show? Yeah, well, if he you was inc- in the, them Crooked Vultures, Nirvana, Foo Fighters. And he played with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He played with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, yeah. yeah if you he, count if you count it. Yeah, but I count just bands he was a member of, but that's, that's, a, that's such fair. a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, three bands he was a I member mean, of. I mean, Tom Petty's he, doing Saturday Night Live. He's like, shit, yeah. I need a drummer. Yep. I'm going to call Dave right. Grohl. Yeah, um, well, Tom wanted Dave Grohl to then be part of the band and touring band and stuff afterward, but Dave mm-hmm. didn't do it, so it was close. Um, and this is somebody, I don't think I voted for Dave Grohl before, but I mean, and you know what? The fact that he was just on definitely did sway my vote, that he's still relevant. He's still kicking it. He's still important when he's on the show. And that's what really kind of, I think, put me over the edge is this, this, the fact that he was on so recent and did such a great job. Yeah. He got 54% of the vote in season three. Uh, I think there is a path for Dave Grohl to get in. And Mike brought up a good point. I mean, you look at the musical guests, like if not Dave, well, Paul Simon's already in. Uh, but if not yeah. Dave Grohl for the rest of them, then who? If you know, like Dave Grohl to me seems like the obvious one. He was one of my locks. So three for three here on your your ballots. That makes me super happy. You've done me proud. I knew there's a reason why I invited you three here on <laughs> on the panel. Dave Grohl, if you can tell, is probably the most passionate I am about any person on this ballot as far as getting into the hall. Uh, so let's go to Mike. What do you got for us? All right. Well, I think we should. We've been we've been bouncing around, which I like. But I'm gonna go with another writer. My list, um, like Brad's and possibly Bill's, was very writer heavy, just because if people like us who are really nerdy about SNL aren't propping these people up, then who will? So I'm gonna go with Jack Handy. There's there's so much to talk about and who he wrote for. So he his roster was so deep. So, which I'm sure any writer would love to claim because you write decent, good, great material. It's hopefully most of it will become great material. And, you know, of course, we're going to talk about deep thoughts that happened 80 times on the show. So, again, like Dave Grohl, um, if he's not in, then who is? To be a writer on that staff during that era, and, you know, it was a, it was a decently long era that he was there, but. To have your own little corner of SNL, I know it's so brief. It's so, so and he was such a surrealist guy and unfrozen caveman lawyer, fuzzy memories. Tunes is the cat. If you're if you're into that, <laughs> um, he was introduced to Lauren by Steve Martin. You know, so he's brought by one of uh, an existing Hall of Famer. So for me, Jack Handy is somebody that I think people should know about more if they don't already. And if you've heard of him, then look into his work. And uh, also, I, I like people in Hall of Fames to have some lore. And Jack Handy definitely has some SNL lore behind him because he's a little mysterious. And people would say he was staying up late, finishing sketches on the typewriter, and he would just hand in fully written sketches. And that was like the Jack Handy thing. So um, 
that's that's a that's it was an easy one for me because I I did start with writers I, and then I when I finished my full ballot I looked back at Thomas's um, numbers and I'm like all right he's got to get in now so Jack Handy for me yeah to borrow from the hip hop world Jack Handy is your favorite writer's favorite writer essentially like that's kind of what well he is and yeah he has a a distinct voice Bill like Jack Handy you know it's a Jack Handy sketch. Yeah, I mean this. This is a no-brainer. Uh, he he was on, on the fence for me only because of the tactic that Brad talks about. With is he safe? Is he still trajectorying upwards? But yeah, I don't think enough people know him outside of our nerddom um, and other obviously uh, fuzzy memories and and things like that are still something that's seen. Um, but yeah, he has to go in. Uh, you talk to anyone from the show including my best friend, Robert Smigel, they credit Handy for a lot. Um, and, I mean, you're talking about a heavy-hitting lineup of writers in the late 80s with Smigel and Conan and Greg Daniels. To a man, to a person, they all point to Jack Handy as uh, quintessential SNL writing, so he has to go in. Yeah, ag- agreed on all counts. Brad, uh, what do you think of uh, Mr. Jack Handy? Oh, he's definitely on mine. And, and I, I think maybe I'm just giving him too much credit, but I, I feel like he's one of those writers that even if you, like Mike said, one of the big SNL nerds that you know who he is, I feel like he is a writer who, if you're at least one step deeper than a casual fan, you know Jack Handy. You know, he does have that voice that's so unique, but also he's one of the few writers on that show who who got his own piece. You know, you knew his name, Deep Thoughts, with Jack Handy. There's very few people that were getting spotlighted like that throughout the history of the show um and he he just contributed to so many writers and he has a decent tenure and, and i love mike's point about the lore um so yeah i i 100 think jack handy needs to get in yeah handy is one of my seven locks that i've referred to on my ballot jack handy's one of them his his numbers actually even though he's not in the hall i'm actually pleasantly surprised by his voting numbers he got 46.8 in season two 52.1 in the last voting cycle, that's honestly a lot more than I would have expected. So there is a lot of recognition for Jack Handy and appreciation. So uh, that makes me happy. Let's get Jack Handy in the S. No Hall of Fame. Uh, Bill, by my count, you have five left on your ballot. So why don't you share one of those uh, with us? I was told there'd be no math. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I, I'm sticking with the writers here. Uh, I have so many writers on my ballot because it's just so important to get these people in. And I'm going to go with Paula Pell. Very important part of the show for 18 years. I was head writer for two of those. And if you liked the Will Ferrell era SNL, you liked Paula Pell because uh, she was a part of Cheerleaders, uh, The Culps, Debbie Downer, for better or worse, Gilly, uh, all the Justin Timberlake, uh, like the Omeletteville and the Homelessville, Tony Bennett show when Alec would come on and host. She has a unique voice, and I, I think that uh, that's very important. And we also need the representation of these amazing female writers in this hall, along with Tina Fey at that time, how important she was to getting new voices onto the show. So I'm going with Paula. 
Yeah, Paul Appel, a huge presence in basically like a era of SNL that that damn near saved the show coming off a tumultuous time in the mid-90s. Paul Appel, definitely a huge part of that. Mike, Brad, do either of you have Paula uh, on your ballot? Um, I do not. And again, this is another person who I, I do really like, and I think she's amazingly talented and love her work. And, you know, I, it's funny, like listening to, to Bill's argument, it, it's a valid point because I think this is a point, and is, I think this is an instance of me voting scared because um, I got a bunch of more old white guys on my ballot <laughs> um, that I'm worried are going to get off the, off the ballot. Um, and I think that's, I, it's writers I want to see in before I see Paula Pell in. It's not that I don't like Paula Pell. There's just other people, to me, mean more. But Bill has a very good point. So I don't know. Now I actually, I'm torn a bit. And you have. You got space, man. Yeah, you do have space. Go big. Oh, wait, till, wait till you hear my last pick because that's basically a trash <laughs> pick anyway. So. I'm I'm excited, Mike. Do you have Paul Appel? I do have PP on my ballot. Paul Appel's season twenty-one to thirty-four. I mean, talk about the people who came in and in, in and out of eight H during her time. And I do, I think it's important when assessing these things. And for the record, I am a fan of her writing. But I think when you think about these writers, is that something that you might find funny, someone else might not, and vice versa. So when a writer has a voice, like we talked about earlier, um, with other writers and talked about at the top of the show, I mentioned Bowen Yang and his uh, style is when you can identify it, it just it's such more of a satisfying Hall of Fame pick for me. So for Paul Appel and uh, also Last Call with the, the, the Sheila Sauvage sketches, there were certain things that that she contributed to the show. Paula, that is not Sheila, but um, is you can just put your finger on. And I just think that when I'm looking at these writers, and again, my ballot is very writer heavy. I think it just makes sense to me. So I I didn't think about it too much. There was definitely probably ten names above her when I did my ballot, but I felt very comfortable with Paula Pell in the in the hall. Brad, you you have me curious now. I want to know. What your curveball is? What, oh no, I'm saying I'm saying I'm so. I know I, I gotta save it because I, what's better okay. than one old white guy writer than two? Okay, yeah, um, save it, but give us another one. So I'm gonna go Franken and Davis. Okay. Um, again, writers old. If you haven't sensed a theme yet on my ballot, um, but you know, I I don't think I voted for them last time, and I remember that I was on the when we talked about them last season's um, roundtable. Uh, people had argued for. I was arguing you should treat them as Franken and Davis as one entity. And people were arguing against both the entity, but also Franken's contributions and Davis's contributions. And I think that that does play a lot into it, as well as a lot of my doing the research for, for O'Donoghue uh, episode, Thomas, with you is, you know, so many people who dislike O'Donoghue and maybe the tone of the show O'Donoghue had at that point really owe a lot of credit to Franken and Davis because they're the ones who kind of came in and kind of took over from him of what the show was and less edgy and dark and more kind of, some people might say it's it's a bad thing as far as like more, more open to a broader audience. But those guys really were behind a lot of the creativity stuff, especially from seasons three, four, and into five. And then, you know, you get into Franken almost took over the show after Lauren left and left and came back and Davis left and came back. So I think these guys just have a, have an overall mark on this show 
spanning generations and different eras and different cast members that uh, they, they really just, they're, they're ones where they first bowed Hall of Famers, no. But at the end of the day, do they belong in the Hall of Fame? 100%. Yeah, it's hard to tell the story of SNL without bringing up Al Franken and Tom Davis. Uh, Bill, what do you think? 100%. Uh, same here. I, I said this on a, an earlier roundtable. Like, to, to have that corner of the show, uh, the Franken and Davis show, laid the groundwork for things like Lonely Island, Please Don't Destroy, and uh, got to know these guys in a way that you didn't get to know writers back then. And I think that's really important. And uh, I have a hard time, as Brad mentions, like, do you include the stuff that they did separately? I can do that with the writing. I can't do that with things like Stuart Smalley because then then he falls off my ballot very quickly. I agree. But, uh, I agree totally with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just not that's not great. Um, and it is interesting. It's one of those big what ifs in the history of the show. Not only with them taking over the show in 1980, but what would have happened if he had gotten Weekend Update instead of Norm in '95? How different would the show be with the OJ jokes and things like that? Does that change the trajectory of the show? Franken is is such an important voice uh, still today, and uh, I, I think uh, they definitely have to be in. They're such an integral part of those first five years. And if you want more of Bill's thoughts, you can go to Letterboxd and read his review of Stort Saves His Family, and uh, you'll get you'll get all you need to know. <laughs> Double feature with It's Pat. <laughs> oh yes, right. Yeah, um, Mike Franken and Davis. Well, if it was Brad's idea to make them a team on the ballot, then I, I fully support that decision of Franken and Davis being that writing team. And we've seen, laid the groundwork for, like he said, Lonely Island and to this day, Please Don't Destroy, or Streeter Seidel and Mikey Day, even the, the current era. So Franken and Davis were this team, of course, that were there at the beginning and just like steered the ship. I think if you didn't have people like them in the room, maybe the O'Donohue's might have been off the rails. So they were somebody who understood the tone, kept it funny, and they could play it safe. They could they could not. But I also wanted to throw out that like SNL commercials are such a staple of the show to this day. And I can't think of Franken and Davis without thinking of like these really quiet commercials with maybe not even actors in them, just a voice. But it, they were so sharp, so just cutting and funny. And um, I'm thinking of even like a Pong, like that's a famous one. I don't know if they consider that a commercial, but uh, the, these kind of um, pre-tapes, for lack of a better word, and Franken and Davis as a team, easy for me. I probably wouldn't, I agree with Brad, I probably wouldn't have put them in first ballot, but seeing them on the ballot now, I think it's an easy call for me. So um, yeah, you guys are uh, making my life easy on this pod tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I'm enjoying all this love for the writers. Hopefully, yeah. the 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 voters at large will uh, will start giving the writers their due, and we'll see an influx of them uh, here in season four. Uh, it's been it's actually been a while since we've talked about a host. Do any of you have any more hosts on your ballot and want to chime in? I do actually. I think my last two. Or I may actually have one more, but um, so I'm gonna go with um, one that could be controversial, could be not, but. I'm going to go with Justin Timberlake um, for a host because if you point to a past 30 years even or 25 years host who like really got the show and brought 100% and was actually really good, not just someone that we were happy to see on the show, it's Timberlake. I think about 
I mean, we mentioned Omeletteville and stuff, Paula Pell, but Barry Gibb talk show, his synergy with Fallon, and obviously synergy with um, Lonely Island for a dick in a box, mother lover in three way, those three sketches that they did. And I think he just is important. I, I, I hate to use this crutch because I think it's overused by people like us of like saving the show. I mean, how many times can a show be saved? Is it always failing if it needs to be saved? But I think not. He, he didn't save the show, but he revitalized it for a new generation. So you could be somebody who never listened to his music or even knew he was in, in sync. But when he came to SNL, he seemed like he fit. He worked with everyone really well. Everyone seemed like they were having a really fun time, which is, I, th- I think, a good thing for the cast. So they make funny material for us to enjoy. So um, Justin Timberlake is someone that I did think about a lot. And I said to myself, this is somebody that, for, for a host category, is pretty easy for me. So I'm going with uh, JT. Yeah, he's somebody that if if none of you brought him up, I was going to... Um, after we did, we finished all this. Ask you why? So, so the, the, I'm I'm surprised he's not in already, especially given he's fairly current. He's still pretty popular. So, uh, yeah. So Justin Timberlake uh, definitely surprised me that he's not in. Uh, Bill, do you have Justin Timberlake on your list? Let's say that somewhere our good friend John Schneider's head was exploding. That it took us an hour and twenty <laughs> minutes to bring up yeah. JT. Uh, yes, he is on my list. Uh, I mentioned earlier with Buck Henry, the, the kind of hosts that you look forward to, that you knew you were going to get a good show. Some would argue that it was too formulaic. It was too, you know, cut and paste with uh, the different sketches that he did. Uh, I call bullshit because I think everything that he did uh, was really funny. Was there diminishing returns? Maybe. Is that why he hasn't come back in 10 years, which is crazy? Uh, possibly. But every time he was on, it was a good time. Uh, everything that Mike mentioned. Also, I mean, he was in the first Mar- Maryville Love Tunnel. And uh, what else? The Hip Hop Kids. Yeah, th- there's so much to talk about with, with JT. Uh, the two things I always joke about, like if you put me in a time machine back to 2000 and you told me that the kid from NSYNC would be the best host of this uh, last couple decades and uh, the kid from uh, Good Burger would be on the show for 21 years, I would have asked what drugs you were on. So it's it's pretty amazing to see what uh, what he was able to do on the show. Love, JT. Yes. Brad, did you vote for Justin Timberlake, and why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thomas. I did not. Um, it's another one. I don't dislike him. I don't have a good reason why not. I, I want to see like a Buck Henry in. Listening to these guys' arguments, I feel like a Candace Bergen needs to get in before him. And uh, yeah, I just my my ballot's writer heavy. Like I wanted to save my votes for you know the writers and and the Jan Hooks who I really think needed to get in. And I think I did that with just a lot of the people that I left off. It's like, well, if until I get Jan Hooks in, I'm not voting you in. Until I get this person, I'm not getting you. And I, that's really all I think this was. Okay, so so we can actually pinpoint this moment as the reason why you're disinvited from John Schneider's podcast f- for the foreseeable future. <laughs> you make it sound like I've been invited before. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now we know why I haven't been. There, there you go. He just knew that you were withholding a vote for JT. <laughs> All right, Brad, who, who do, who's next on your list that you want to bring up? I'm trying to look at how many other old writers I still have. I, I'm going to go with, I think this is my last writer. Is it? Yes. Um, who probably most people haven't heard of. Um, Herb Sargent. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, Herb Sargent was there from the very beginning, pretty much kind of was the co-creator of one of the longest, you know, still running bits of Weekend Update with Chevy and Lauren, um, was a head writer for a bit. Uh, it just, it, it's one of those guys, who, again, those writers back in the day, like no one really knew who they were unless they were a Franken and Davis and showed up on screen. So it's, you didn't know who, and a lot of times writers were often like writing stuff uncredited for other people, but like Herb Sargent was just so integral in those first five years of the show and its creation and what it was. And this is so lame, but like father figures, the wrong word, but he was the older guy of the group. These were all these young, you know, punk rebel kids coming in and Herb Sargent was one of the older guys at that point. And then he stayed on for so long and had such a long tenure. Like he's another one. I feel like I've used this phrase repeatedly, but like his fingerprints are all over this show. And I don't think this show is what it is without someone like Herb Sargent or specifically Herb Sargent uh, throughout its history from literally day one. Yeah. So you're back on John Schneider's good side, Brad, because John, John was my guest for the Herb Sargent episode. thought he'd made a really compelling case. Actually, I learned, I honestly learned a lot about Herb Sargent by prepping for that show and talking to John and everything so so herb definitely a huge part of why snl was created and why it blossomed and everything uh bill how do you feel about herb Sargent's candidacy love love herb Sargent. uh back when i was beginning my snl fandom uh there was a book which you probably all are familiar with uh saturday night by doug hill and it was basically the first 10 years of the show and we didn't have the world wide web back then so to be able to have this book that was dog-eared by the time I was done with it and learn all these writers' names, all of these people who were integral to the show who I had no idea who they were as a 12-year-old boy. Um, Herb Sargent is all over that book. I learned about him. I loved him ever since. Um, Weekend Update, and also he created the Not Ready for Primetime Players moniker because if you don't know... There was another show called Saturday Night Live in 1975 with Howard Cosell, which had the name Primetime Players, uh, which it only lasted half a season, but he was a huge name at the time. And Herb Sargent said, let's just call him Not Ready for Primetime Players. So he gets credit for two of the things that have really withstood the test of time. They obviously don't call the cast that now, but if you say those words, most people know what that means. Yeah, Weekend Update, he he would scour the papers. He would scour hundreds of papers to find clips and articles that were funny for Weekend Update that night. So, um, yeah, integral to the, as Brad said, to the history of the show, uh, was there for almost 20 years. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the only time he wasn't there is when Weekend Update wasn't Weekend Update, and it was terrible. So, <laughs> you can tell how important he was just by that. Yeah, and before b- before he joined SNL, Herb Sargent ha- had a lot of experience already in TV, and he, I think he actually took a pay cut to to join SNL and help it get on get it on its feet and everything because he believed in the format, he believed in Lorne Michaels. So Herb did kind of did them a solid by even being part of the show. Honestly, he was the first head writer of the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. Yep. So yeah, he goes way back. Yeah, Mike, what do you think, Herb Sargent, on your ballot? He was not on my ballot, and I did leave a space, and I have a note mm. here in front of me that was uh, sir, save a uh, save a spot for Sergeant. I wrote because <laughs> I had I had some empty spots, and I realized I'm like, if if Bill and Brad are thinking like me, this might just be writers' night at you know at the SNL Hall of Fame, 
and I know what you know what he did to the show, and he was he was fifty two in season one, so he was the elder statesman in the room. He's you know he's older than Lauren. Um, I guess yeah, because I guess if her was around today, he'd be he'd be a hundred. So, um, I I felt like it was he was on the ballot last year and hopefully the herb sergeant uh awareness campaign can continue for the next two seasons of this show where he's getting up into the 30s and he'll have my vote for sure so again uh, bill brad you know you can convince me i'll i'll throw him on there i mean so deserving obviously um but in this case when i was looking at my i did not want to go full 15 so i he had to be a casualty but somebody that i you know i didn't want to go all writers so maybe i was unfair to our friend herb yeah rest so I in think, peace all right yeah so i think we talked somebody maybe mike in we, we uh influenced someone's vote here uh, on the round table so yeah i mean weekend update i mean it's, yeah to this day yeah can, exactly he could be credited in the, in the uh in the credits for the writers for that reason only <laughs> All right, Mike. So uh, I think you might have one or two votes left on your ballot. So who who do you want to talk about here? Yep, I have one left, and okay. then I had two spots open. One was for Herb, and one was for another cast member. So I will go. I'll stick with my guns and go with my original list, and say John Mulaney. So that's who I'm going with. And again, because I keep forgetting, this is for host, not writing. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's, John that's Mulaney fine with me. is on the ballot as a host. All right. Of course, I got to scrap all my writer's notes that I wrote down because <laughs> um, I have more of those, which might hold my argument uh, in contempt. <laughs> but um, John Mulaney as a five timer, very Buck Henry esque. No, I mean, coming in as somebody who, when he hosted the show, if you were not an SNL head and you weren't, it didn't listen to like New in Town you might not know who the hell this guy was. And his style is so SNL, of course, because he just stopped working there. And I think, I mean, man, I got to throw away all my writer's notes. But New York City musical, I mean, come on. To have a recurring sketch in every one of your hosting stints, I'd love to see uh, some some research on that for sure. To have something that's a staple in, in your first five hosting stints. And if he hosts for a sixth time, I mean, I feel like he almost is legally obliged to do it again. So um, John Mulaney, I figured would be a little controversial because when I did write this down, I did look at Thomas's list and he was a host. Of course, today I'm thinking of all my favorite Mulaney sketches he wrote. But in this case, I, I still feel confident because of that, of what I just said, of how quickly it happened. And I thought that he might not get a lot of votes in that category. And I think he's deserving so. That's my last um, in-stone pick is Mulaney for a host. Brad, John Mulaney is a white guy, and he was a writer <laughs> even though he's a host <laughs> on, uh, on this ballot. Do you, have, do you have John Mulaney on your ballot? When you put it that way, I guess... Um, no, no, I don't. I do not, and, um, and I'm fine with that. I enjoy him more as a writer than a host. I, I, he's an okay host. I... I loved his um I love the musical sketches they did. I do think they gradually they got progressively less enjoyable and funny as they went on. But other than that, there wasn't other than that in a monologue, there wasn't much I looked forward to in a John Mulaney episode when he hosted Monkey Judge 
honest, I'm not, I'm saying this. It's one of my you're favorite. Judge, you're a monkey judge. <laughs> That's one of my favorite sketches over the past few years, honestly. And that was like Mulaney, like carrying that. But, um, I think, uh, Cecily did a good job in the sketch too, but that was like quintessential. Like I loved Mulaney in that. So it wasn't just the, it wasn't just the musical sketches. It was monkey judge too. Okay. <laughs> Bill, what do you think of John Mulaney as a host? This was probably the toughest cut for me. Uh, he was on my ballot the last couple of years. Uh, he did not make it this time, uh, mostly because of all the writers that really need to get in. I love his hosting gigs. Uh, I think he's he's up there with, if it was announced tomorrow that he was coming back to host, we as uh, SNL community would be pretty psyched. I, I mean, obviously, there's a few people that would be above him. Uh, Eddie, please come back. But uh, yeah, no, I, he, he's up there for sure. The fact that, you know, he's probably one of the biggest stand-ups in the world right now uh, with all the struggles he's gone through, his celebrity marriage. There's a lot uh, to enjoy and uh, watch about Mulaney, but uh, I had to cut him, unfortunately. Uh, Hopefully he doesn't slide any more than he did last year. All right, fair enough. So, uh, Brad, I believe you have, you're down to two votes left if i'm not mistaken uh, yep. you want to share one of those with us yeah and i'm i'm interested to see how this one goes over um i have another cast member who's been on for a few ballots and is someone who i wouldn't have said as a first ballot hall of famer but i think definitely deserves to be in team player you know another one who's got you know impressions characters um just you know always you know commitment to the bit uh molly shannon I I got I've got Molly Shannon who I feel like her time has come and I feel like you know the era she was in and the important I think she played a big role in that era and maybe underlooked a little bit but it's it, you know the thing I love most about Molly Shannon it's hard to find a sketch with her where she's not committed 100%. I love that. I love that no matter how outrageous or silly or absurd or even just small it just she goes for it and is all in. Um and I love that. And so, uh, yeah, I got Molly in finally. Yeah, uh, Molly's one bill where if I look at my ballot, I think I do think it's time to put her in. And I think she would get a vote from me. Uh, do you feel similarly, Bill? She's on the cusp for me. Uh, she didn't make it. Um, much for the same reasons that I said about Mulaney. Uh, I, I was very writer heavy. Um, but yes, she is very deserving great seven seasons while not a golden era definitely a silver era and held her own against heavyweights like will ferrell love dog show mary Catherine gallagher Jeannie darcy when she came back to host last year it, it was such a joy to see her work with these younger cast members and to see her mesh with these people who are 20 years younger than her and and still hold her own so i think she gets in at some point uh but she didn't make my ballot and Mike, it looks like Molly didn't make the cut for you. Um, probably no offense to her, but if you, if you want to elaborate on on why a little bit. Sure, and that was the cast member I was alluding to a moment ago, um, mm-hmm. talking about my save a spot for Sergeant note is uh, Molly Shannon, because I realized I when I did my original list, I, I didn't include her, and then I looked back and I saw that it was her fourth ballot, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite and say I was just voting for her for that reason because I know that there are other writers we talked about that desperately need that push from us. So I was uh, I allocated more resources to them. 
But I have no problem if Molly Shane's in the Hall of Fame. Personally, I was never a huge fan of her on SNL when I go back and rewatch. But again, I said earlier that that's something that we have to consider as voters, but also consider that the impact the impact is not up for debate because, I, as Bill said, her great characters. So just so on the bubble for me. And I wanted to save some spots because I figured uh, you fellows would convince me of either Molly or others. So I, I, I stayed with, I think, 12. Yeah, and Molly's uh, trending in the right direction. So she is from season one. Uh, Jamie Burwood was on with Jamie Dew uh, talking about Molly Shannon. Molly received about 35% of the vote in season one. Uh, that went up to 47.4 in season two, 542 in season three. I'm no mathematician, but I think that's like a positive trend there. So for Molly Shannon, uh, so I would like to see her in the hall. Probably a good chance she'll get in. If not, it'll probably be close. So uh, I'm rooting for you, Molly. So Bill, it seems like you have one left, maybe. Who who was that one? Just one. I, throwing a, a little bit of a curveball. Uh, hopefully uh, there's enough people out there who remember this fellow. But, you know, we, we've talked a lot, myself included, about saving the show, saving the show. This guy literally saved the show. Talking about Dick Ebersol. That's my uh, oh, that was mine. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're not as that, that's not as kooky of a pick as you thought. No. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Right. I love Bill. it though. <laughs> that, that's great, Bill. Like, yeah. Educate anybody who needs more further education about Dick Ebersol. Listen, he he did a lot of the legwork when the show was starting. Uh he was uh director of late night at the time and when they were trying to replace Carson's repeats on Saturday nights in seventy-five. And he worked with Lauren a lot those early years. And then obviously when season six happened and, and Domanian, he took over the show and the show was as close to cancellation as it's ever been. And he brought it back from the dead. Now you can say season seven's not great, but he was laying the groundwork for what are very serviceable seasons. Does a lot of that credit go to Eddie and Joe Piscopo? Obviously, but he kept the show going uh, he took chances uh, that Lorne doesn't take anymore. Uh, some of them I don't agree with, like getting rid of Live from New York, getting rid of Don Pardo. But he thought outside the box. Now, he almost destroyed the show after season 10 when he wanted to go to all pre-tapes, and we'd be sitting here talking about Saturday Night Pre-Tape uh, 50 years later. So luckily, the stars aligned and Lorne came back and saved the live format, but Ebersol kept the ship going for that four plus seasons and uh, deserves to get in. And there are plenty of people. There's people in the currently in the Snow Hall of Fame who almost destroyed the show. That's almost like kind of comes with the territory. So not too big of a, a black mark for Dick Ebersol. Brad, that was your last vote too. Yeah, that was my throwaway. I, I feel like Dick, Dick Ebersol will never get voted in. I wouldn't be surprised if he fell off the ballot this the, after this one, which is why I wanted to bring him up to give his give him one last shot uh, to get his name out there. Two reasons, which everything Bill had just said, working backwards, the fact that he did come back in after season six and and help save the show and keep it, if not save it, at least keep it alive for Lauren to come back and, and save it. But you, you can't uh, belittle that fact. But also t- his involvement in the creation of the show. You know, you ask anybody, with the exception of maybe Albert Brooks, like Dick Ebersol is one of the key. <laughs> You like that one, Bill? Uh, 
Dick Ebersol was huge. Like Bill said, Dick was figuring out a show to replace Johnny Carson before Lauren came on. You know, Dick had an idea for a variety show. He was that had like revolving host of Carlin and and Lily um, Lily Tomlin and Richard Pryor. So he 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 had started the ball rolling a little bit, and then when Lauren came in, it was like this is the the perfect match, and they made it work. And then you know he got he got pushed out of the show a bit, but you you can't. Uh, underestimate how valuable he was to Lorne and to the creation of the show. And he was really that middleman between Lorne and the network when that show was growing, giving Lorne the space he needed to create the show. So he's somebody who I don't think gets enough credit. And I'm not a big Dick Ebersol fan, but in, in doing our show and going back to those early years, just really appreciating and respecting what he did for the show uh, is something you've got to take hold. And I, I did, I'm, I'm amazed, Bill. Thank you so much that you put him down. Cause I thought I this was literally going to be like one swan song to like get his name out there before he started getting put up for the Don Pardo award. Yeah. No, Dick Ebersaw would be on my ballot too, honestly. And he received All right. a, a little over 21% of the vote. So not bad. I don't think that that's not enough to be off the ballot. So I think he'll, he'll probably stay on the ballot. I doubt he'll get voted in, but he'll be on the ballot. 21% not terrible. Honestly, for for Ebersol, uh, Mike, what do you think? Like Ebersol, important to SNL's history. Yeah, super important. Not on my ballot. Um, I think when you look at it and say, you know, SNL created by Dick Ebersol, you say, oh, obvious. But I, I will have to fully admit to uh, falling for what Bill said with where SNL could have gone. So I, I, with Lauren, if Lauren didn't come back, I I just don't think SNL would exist today. And is that fully? Can I pin that on Dick Ebersol? Like, of course not. Like, so many factors involved. But when I'm thinking about Hall of Fame, I just said this time not on my ballot, and is a perfect candidate for the Don Pardo Award. So, thinking back to when they do like the builders and the framers of uh, sports Hall of Fames, you know, putting Fritz Pollard in like the NFL, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame, things like that, that you have to consider because you know the you can't judge his comedy on the show. So that's, I mean, I, you guys put Lauren right in, right? Yeah, we did. He was the okay. First, so this yeah. could be a case where if, if that show happens, I'll happily listen to it and celebrate Dick Ebersol and he can go in and with no argument for me, but as a personal voter on the show, I was saying, I'm not going to get my vote tonight just because SNL, you know, the live part of it is so important to me. And if, yeah. if the show went that way, I, it just, that would be unforgivable in my eyes. So he lost my vote tonight, but no arguments um, to, to Brad and Bill for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's all fair, definitely. So if I'm counting correctly, I think everybody's exhausted their ballot. So pat yourselves on the back. We did it, everybody. Good job, folks. All right. Uh, there, then looking at the voting, there's not anybody, because I was going to bring up Justin Timberlake if nobody brought them up. I was going to bring up uh, Dick Ebersol if nobody brought them up. So there are people at the end there where I was kind of surprised we hadn't heard from, but then we ended up. So I hopefully, you know, I think the a big trend I saw with the three with the three of you was giving writers love. Hopefully we see that with a larger voting base. Uh, but I think all in all, uh, I, I like all your ballots. I think you make made very good cases. So I appreciate you guys coming on the roundtable. Uh, so before we get we before we go, uh, I want to thank you guys, uh, Mike Murray. Your first time here uh, on the SNL Hall of Fame. Hopefully, it won't be the last. What do you got to promote? Well, I had a great time. This is so cool talking to people who are just as uh, 
much of weirdos as me and like to talk about, um, you know, ha- be on a, a weeknight and talk about Dick Eversall. Where do you get that anywhere else? So uh, love all you guys and had a blast. So yeah, I'll happily come back and uh, talk about whoever you want. But um, as far as me on the Saturday Night Network, Wednesdays following live SNL, I host a show called By the Numbers. Um, I measure right after the show that weekend, I measure all the screen time appearances and I have the ultimate original SNL stat called the power ranking, which I do a, this giant algorithm to measure an impact on an episode. So it's a stat that I am really proud of because if you look over 100 episodes, you can really get a great idea of the impact that an individual, whether it be host, cast, musical guest, so it might be a good companion to this show someday when I um, have an extra two, three, you know, 25,000 hours to get all 953 shows on my belt. But until then, check me out Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's a really fun show. It's like sports talk radio, but mm-hmm. about SNL. Yeah, I love listening to that show. And, and I just remembered, so Bill and I both snuck in a Lorne Michaels impression. I want to put you and Brad on the spot because you. I don't want you us to leave here with only Bill and I having done one. Do, Mike, do you have a Lorne? I have, I have a private Lorne. Oh, okay, fair, <laughs> fair. Mike, okay, you can answer no to that question because... Brad, do you have a Lorne? No, I, I don't. I don't, I'm sorry. I mean, I feel like everyone does. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Brad, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you genuinely. Thank I, you, buddy. I, no, I thank always, you I so much. I know we kid each other a lot, yeah. but I, I, do, I do love getting to talk to you. Uh, yeah, you're awesome. I love your podcast. You and Gary do such a great job. Uh, tell us about what's going on uh, over there on uh, the Not Ready for Primetime podcast. Yes, we're the Not Ready for Primetime podcast. We're deep diving into the original era of Saturday Night Live, the first five seasons. Every episode, we take a, a different episode in chronological order from season one, episode one. We're going to cover the first five seasons. Um, we're currently uh, plowing through season two. We're about halfway through right now. We drop episodes every Tuesday. Um Often it's uh, Gary and myself. We get a lot of great hosts like yourself and uh, John Snyder from the SSN has been on a bunch. We've got some really cool guests coming on this season uh, that haven't come on yet. And uh, we're on the social media platforms at uh, Not Ready for PT Pod. So yeah, check us out, please. Yeah, what a great recent addition to the SNL podcasting community. You guys are so great. And I've somehow I've turned into the British correspondent <laughs> on your show. Yeah. So two Eric Idle episodes or one Dudley Moore. It was the Dudley Moore uh, and Peter Cook episode, and then the Eric Idle episode uh, in season one. So uh, I'm your official British correspondent, and I'm happy to 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 be that for you. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Bill Kenny, uh, Mr. Bill. Uh, where could we find you? Well, thank you for having me, Thomas. This was a lot of fun. Always uh, fun to enter the Hall of Fame and take my shoes off, uh, or wipe my shoes. Excuse me. Yeah, damn it. Wipe your I shoes my before shoes you off. come into the hall. I, I'm wearing clean socks. Come on. <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, on any of the plethora of Saturday Night Network podcasts uh, from week to week. Uh, we talk about current SNL, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Get to talk to Mike a lot and get to talk to you sometimes as well. So a uh, lot of fun shows. Go check it out. Yes, and you were my guest for uh, the most recent episode that we released, Jason Sudeikis. That was the uh, final episode to for for nominees, and so I want to remind everybody uh, that voting opened on December fifth. It will close on Friday, December fifteenth at midnight, and then we will reveal the results uh, on 
the 18th, we're scheduled to do that. You can go register to vote at snlhof.com. If you're a past voter, Mr. Jamie Dew, JD, will email a ballot to you. So that's how you can get your hands on a ballot and cast your vote, make your voice heard for the SNO Hall of Fame. All right. So for Brad Robinson, Bill Kenny, and Mike Murray, I'm Thomas Senna. See you next time on the SNO Hall of Fame podcast. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week.